is the first episode of what is called Rugby Chat. We're here to tackle the hot issues. We're here to scrummage the uh, very interesting discussions and, of course, backline all of the profiles concerning rugby issues. And in our very first episode, we've got a man who has definitely made significant contributions in terms of the development of rugby, and that's Nyasha Muchochomi. Just to give you a little bit of a profile right now, uh, he was the team manager for the Zimbabwe under-18 uh, sevens team, which went out to Namibia, unfortunately losing in the final. But he has held several posts as a team manager in terms of the various age groups. Nyasha, it's great to have you, and we're looking forward to a fantastic discussion. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for inviting rugby matches. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's a real pleasure to be on this uh, not so cold day. You know, it's uh, the weather hasn't been too cold uh, this June. I know it has been a little, but yeah, certainly not as bad as other winters. All right, most definitely. So let, let's let's get straight into it, Nyasha. I mean, one of the big questions that we have especially as an uh, as Zimbabwe is that we're a rugby playing nation we've gone to two world cups the 1987 and 1991 world cup but ever since then we haven't been able uh, been able to make any inroads in terms of going to a world cup we've shown glimmers of hope glimmers of brilliance here and there but we can't seem to be hitting the mark so let's first and foremost start from there. In terms of our history uh, as as a nation, where do you think we have faltered, especially from the days of 1987, 1991, up until now? Yeah, it's obviously been tough not making World Cups. Um, I think um, a large chunk of it is is uh, based to us not adapting to to the climate of, of sport professionalism. You know, sport has changed a lot, but um, our systems and structures haven't changed um, since. Um, and with our rivals also improving and catching on to modern methods, um, <clears throat> it's meant that they've gone instead of us. Uh, I think it was the initial one. It was more by default um, that we, we went. Um, but, you know, um, I think in capabilities and having the abilities to qualify, I think we've certainly always had that uh, quality, not only to qualify, but certainly to put up a, a fight, um, a, 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 a respectable fight when we would have got to the World Cup. Because going to a World Cup is one thing, and, but you want to go there and earn respect. Um, but the talent certainly, pumping out the talent certainly hasn't changed, you know, Year in, year out, we're getting quality players coming through of Zimbabwean heritage. <clears throat> uh, what then happens between them being identified as quality and the journey to national team and, and, and playing together as a national team is where we've probably missed it a bit uh, as a country. All right. Um, I mean, you, you bring up some very interesting points in terms of structures. One of the other things that seems not to be quite working, we've gone coach after coach uh, and qualified coaches, uh, I must add. I mean, uh, just to name but a few, we've had the likes of the uh, Cyprian Super Mandenges. They've been part 
of the coaching structures, uh, very highly qualified, have also been successful on the local scene. Uh, we've also got the current coach, Brendan Dawson, in his uh, next stint. We've got the likes of Bruce Hobson. They also were part of the structures. All these are also former rugby players that have come through and done the business. So we have the expertise that is coming in, but you put the issue of structures. How best can we actually improve our structures in order to get to that level where we can, at the bare minimum, qualify for the World Cup? There, I agree. Like uh, as I, I, I said, our structures are where it's lacking. So, in saying that, I'm also saying that our coaches' quality or qualification is no much different from to our opposition. You know, if you compare the names you mentioned, Cyprian Dawson, there's nothing which separates them and maybe our fellow competitors in uh, Namibia, Romania, you know, Germany. Uh, the, you know, Uruguay. There's not much technical difference there. But when I oh, oh, so so what it leads to is the planning. And when I go planning, it's you know we have, each cycle of a World Cup, um, where our players coming, who who is going to be playing in the next World Cup? I mean, it's well known um, at the end of each World Cup cycle, we all know who the New Zealand fly half is going to be for the next World Cup. You know, and, and we're not even in the coaching uh, decision-making New Zealand. You know, we know who their wingers are going to be. We know which which props are not going to be at the next New Zealand World Cup. You know, um, we, you know it's, 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 you know, so, but why is it that for Zimbabwe we don't? You know, so it's that, I mean, we know that in Zimbabwe, locks are hard to come by. Um, so it's where... Where's our pipeline for locks? Who's who's going to be the, the lock at the next World Cup? Um, and it's going to that much detail of position specific. What skills do they have now, and what skills do they need to, to develop so that they are good enough um, to be um, to to help us qualify? Um, so it, it goes into those sort of details and even comparing with our rivals on okay position 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 each position um, prop. Our prop versus the Namibian prop, you know, the one-on-one -on -one battles, you know. So so it's almost like out of a 22-man squad, we should say uh, Zimbabwe is winning 17 and losing um, five, you know, or Zimbabwe is winning um, 12 and we're losing, you know, um, 10 or, or the other way where we are saying that right now man on man we are down eight and um so that um namibia has got uh, the, the the other the difference so it's those sort of comparisons we need to do so before we walk onto a field we should already know on our one-on-one -on -one match battles where we stand rather than wait and and, and for the surprises in, in the game so it's that much detailed planning and um, the whole era of preparing for for a World Cup qualifier tournament a month before um, doesn't cut it anymore. You know, uh, these plans need to start three, four years in advance, or if, if not earlier. So, you know, that, that's the level of detailed planning we should we should get and getting the camaraderie as well. You know, it's not just about whether someone can pass left or right. It's also about the camaraderie, you know, 
a lot of these players played with each other and against each other in junior schools and high schools. So in a situation where you've got um, your three best players uh, went to PE and then the fifth one, you're debating between another PE guy and a Falcon boy in terms of position and who should take it and it's either or. You know, you go back to your um, mateships on 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 relationships. You know, who who understands each other. So it's it's related to that. So it could be based on a school. It could be based on how when they played at mesh uh, for provincial level. It could be how they put together as a Zimanda sixteen or Zimanda eighteen team. You know, um, those experiences count. Um, in New Zealand. Uh, one of I remember reading an article along those lines is I think they they picked at 25 and having an average of 25 caps um, the team average um, for going into a World Cup. So sometimes building up to a World Cup, they're not just necessarily playing guys saying these are the best players. They're playing guys saying, you know, we we want to get these people experienced enough so that when it comes to that final year of selection, you know, everyone who's is possible for selection has got experience, you know, to play. All right. And, you know, if you analyze their trades again, you will notice that, so, um, that, um, you know, they always have one surprise person um, in the team. Like, like for instance, right now it could be Reese, uh, the, the winger. Um, who has minimum caps and you know, is a new kid on the block and is just on four. Um, so there should be space for that as much as there should be players who you have been in the pipeline for, for a long time. All right. Uh, you make very significant points, especially in terms of positioning and things like that. But for me, I think it comes back as a fundamental question. Have we answered... Uh, the, 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 the big white elephant in the room. What brand of rugby do we play as Zimbabwe? Because it seems like when we are playing against some of uh, uh, our uh, our fellow uh, countries, like the likes of Zambia, the likes of Uganda, the likes of Kenya, we're trying to be physical. But in all honesty, Ugandans are generally more physical than we are. Kenyans are more physical than we are. Uh, Zambians are definitely uh, on the road to becoming more physical than we are. What brand of rugby do you think that we need to decide uh, to come on? And I know you're going to try and bust the myth as to whether we have the size or not in terms of physical capability. Yeah, I, I think um, um, we, we, it's, it's, it's a topic we need to give great thought. And, and it's a it's a it's an area where we we cannot go in with having made a decision already. We need to be open minded. Um, you know, I think for a while when you say what type of rugby do we play in in uh, in Zimbabwe, most people will be quick to say, "Ah, oh, we should play a running rugby." You know, this is the Zimbabwean style. But I think. That's a lazy statement. I think it, it, it should be more detailed, you know, because it's rugby, you got to run. Everyone's got to run. Even the cops got to run, you know. So, so, you know, so when you say running, what are we saying? We need to be more specific. 
And I think that terminology of uh, in Zimbabwe we play running rugby is is a is a similar story in all of our planning when we say we're not detailed enough. You know, we we need to be more specific. What do we mean? Even I, I hear too often um, in, in 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 our in our rugby programs in Zim uh, the term uh, "play what's in front of you." Uh, kids are told that. Uh, I, again, I think that's one of those terms where it's lazy um, coaching, lazy terminology. It's not, not detailed. You know, when we watch, uh, uh, I guess Zimbabweans always uh, refer back to maybe the New Zealand style of play when, when we refer to those terms. If you notice and you analyze the New Zealand teams playing what appears to be, they're playing what's in front of them. There's, there's a lot of systems in that. It's not just happening. They're not just throwing a ball left or right. They know where the player is coming. You know, they know where their support is coming. And, 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 and when you analyze it, or when, when I've looked at it, you know, often it, where the pass is going is the line the person was running. So running a straight line, then they sh shift to their left, then they pop the ball back in the line they came from. You know, so, you know, if they pop right, they throw the ball back in the same channel they were running it initially. So when you really analyze the offloading, it's not just they just threw a ball and hoped someone was there. They knew what was happening. It was a game plan. It was a detailed plan. Um, so we need to we need to um, be more specific when we when we say things. I wouldn't want to jump and say this is the style we should be playing, but I, I want people to go into the discussion uh, with an open mind. Again, I'm not a decision maker on, on what Zimbabwe should play. But again, there's also that myth that we don't we lack size. Um, often we see countless number of times that Zimbabwean kids have that same size internationally. So, you know, are we? We are selecting small. You know, we are selecting small, and therefore um, we, we we result with with smaller players, and that's what it is. And 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 when you look at it on a biological point of view or a scientific point of view, um, kids who are smaller, uh, the, 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 the information passage through the neural system moves quicker rather with, as opposed to kids with longer limbs. The transformation of information from your brain to your limbs takes longer. So they will, they will, the taller kids, the bigger kids will catch on to skill um, much slower than the smaller uh, kids. Uh, it's just simple, um, you know, uh, physiology of, of uh, the, uh, you know, makeup of the body, you know, on how systems work in a human body. So, again, um, we need to be patient. We need to be patient. We've seen it with many other countries where some players are physically big and they are picked and, and the systems are patient with them. And they, and they work and coach them through that. So, um, if we can just also put things into perspective, I mean, uh, there's something very interesting that you've just generally talked about. You said uh, the, the, the issue of maybe being able to develop these youngsters. Are we not stuck in a position where we are finding ourselves with those that do have the passion for rugby are um, 
the much smaller players and those that are bigger players are maybe being uh, pulled away by different sports such as maybe basketball uh, maybe some of them may even go to swimming uh, water polo some of these uh, are, are the uh, anomalies I would say for lack of a better word that were seen within local sport yeah so I, I think um with that, um, yeah, we, we, we need to have uh, proper talent identification systems in our sporting structures. I think uh, often kids end up chasing, um, you know, I think kids generally, kids who play sport want to play professional sport, you know. I don't think it's so much about what sport they end up playing professional, but that sport which an adult comes and tells them they're good at, they are going to take it up and believe that adult because you know they trust their coaches, they trust their, their, their you know the adults around them to to do that they are correct or, or what they see on TV. So we need to be um, discerning when we give guidelines to kids on what sports they have potential to go professional in, um, and and the probabilities of of them making it in that sport. So I think you know that general guideline is where we're missing it. So, you know, to, to make up for the lack of locks in our rugby system, you know, we need to just go and identify rugby, uh, basketball boys, you know, athletic, tall, can jump, can catch, you know, and, 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 and make them realize that probably, you know, playing super rugby is more attainable than, uh, than NBA, you know, um, as, as harsh as it might sound, you know, that's the reality of it. Uh, um, you know, a 199 boy in basketball who's playing bass all his time in schoolboy basketball in Zimbabwe um, won't go and play bass uh, or, um, in, a, in the NBA, you know. You have to be a shooting guard um, and, and the likes. Whereas if he comes to rugby, you know, he'll be regarded as one of the biggest players, not only in Zimbabwe, but in, in, in the in Super Rugby, you know. Um, you know, getting to two meters, not too many players, you know, two meters plus in in, in, in the um, Super Rugby sort of setups. So, and, and the other thing is, a lot of Zimbabwean forward players are normally, are generally mobile. So, you, you already have an advantage across the other taller boys yeah, in the other countries generally like let's say South Africa then their boys are normally chunky and and, and um, heavy heavy boys so you know we, we, we then tend to benefit more with an athletic uh, lock or flanker um, who's mobile and you know I guess generally players are now being required to cover more kilometers and more spaces on a field um, as opposed to 15 years ago. So um, I think that career guidance um, to youngsters is important um, and, and it needs to be done systematically and not haphazard. All right. And now one of the things I, I want to delve a little bit more into what you are, are involved in. You work a whole lot with youngsters uh, in the rugby circles, especially in terms of school rugby circles uh, and having been the team manager 
and also having played rugby yourself um, uh, at a schoolboy level. What is your assessment in terms of general rugby skills here in Zimbabwe? I mean, just going across the spectrum from ball handling skills, uh, scrummaging skills, even let's go to the flyer. Can they kick? Are they being taught um, the, the skills? You know, how, how often do we come across a coach who is actually teaching kicking for posts, kicking for touch? You know, I, I actually give credit to the kids who are doing pretty well, uh, figuring it out themselves, you know, as they go along. You know, I think often some kids are figuring it out themselves um, on how to kick. You, you pick our best kickers, like home, in, in recent times, like uh, Hombiro uh, from PE, Chipfumbu from Falcon, and, um, and those sort of kids, and maybe uh, Brendan Marume from Loma Gandhi. Um, I think they will tell you that it's an art they developed themselves and they figured themselves. So, you know, if we add more expert training in that regard, um, there will be need. Yes, we don't always have ready, ready coaches and, and that who are able to assist at the correct level we need. But that's the beauty of technology nowadays, you know. Um, there's internets and, 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 and the likes. Most of this material is found online. So uh, I think the kids who are hungry enough to succeed have been looking these things up online and, and, and learning for themselves. So I think as much as coaches are responsible for some of our lacking, I think the kids also need to take ownership um, of their own growth and development um, in, for them to succeed. I mean, in every story you hear of someone who succeeded, um, you know, there, there was a lot of self-driving and going beyond what the coach gave them. So um, in, in that, I'm saying that as much as coaches are, uh, are, are responsible for developing skill, I think I'd, for, I'd let them off this time around and say kids need to take ownership. I mean, recently we, we all watched the last dance of Michael Jordan and saw how great of a player he was. But in along that, we then learned of all the things he was doing off, outside you know, um, the, the, the team training program and doing his own and coming up with his own methods and, and developing the craft um, by himself and identifying what he lacked. Um, so, you know, we need more Michael Jordans out there in our kids. We need to show them the last dance and, and see them that for them to go to the next level, um, they will need to take ownership. Uh, I mean, most of these kids are on Instagrams, Facebooks. Like, I mean, I follow Aaron Smith on, on Instagram. And every third post he makes, it's about a skill passing um, drill, which he does. And he's open about it. Um, and, and I think leading on to that is, you know, we need to be open with our information. Um, for, for us to grow, we need to share. You know, you, you learn by sharing what you have. Uh, and I think sometimes in Zim, we, we tend to have a culture of, I've learned something. I keep it to myself. But by you sharing, you provoke your own thought, you provoke the thought of those around you, and we improve our craft. 
And when you look at it, um, like I say, Aaron Smith shares all his passing. He's the number one uh, scrum half in the world, but yet he shares what training he does. Um, and yet we all watch trying to see if it's rocket science. It's just simple drills, but which are detailed and specific. And um, as well as recently, South Africa rugby uh, coaches held web seminars where they were pretty much developing their game plan and their strategies and even sharing their, their intellect on how they analyze New Zealand, how they analyze Australia and breaking down the Australian team, breaking down the New Zealand team and how to break their defense. You know, some would think that they would want to keep that information confidential, but, you know, that's how they grow. And we need to take the same mentality in Zimmons. If we are going to grow as coaches, as systems, as management, as a rugby community, we need to be open with, with our knowledge and open with our line of thinking. Uh, it's not to say you're wrong uh, or, 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 or put yourself in a, in a situation where you, you are there for, um, to, to be opposed, but that's how we develop our, our thoughts. And I, and I think that's part of the good thing with um, these discussions you are conducting through um, Zoom. Um, is let's have the discussions, let's provoke thought, and that's how we're going to grow if we're going to go to the next level. All right. So uh, just as we are going to be rounding up this discussion, I would love uh, for you to also maybe just give me uh, your insight and your thought as to how you think club rugby now can be done in order to make things happen. Yeah, I, I think um, our club rugby um, system um, has been okay. I think it's it's certainly brought that camaraderie um, to to um, to to those who come and play in it um, and participate. I think it's it's built good friendships, mateships, and 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 that's what's what sport is is, is about. But I think if if we if we're looking at going elite programs, our club rugby system is not the way to go. Um, if we want to produce world class players, our club rugby system is not where it's going to happen. I think we should leave our club rugby system to, to continue as it is. And it's the same in every country, by the way. They do have a club rugby system where guys come, train twice, twice uh, two, two, two nights in a week, uh, play a game, have fun, crack a joke, have a few drinks after, you know, um, to, you know share stories uh, about how their family is and, and that's sort of, and I think there's a space for that, but I think we need to create something new, which is elite, which is focusing on specific um, objective, which is going elite, and which is small and concentrated. So, in saying that, we then weed out the ex maybe the exceptional players in in our club rugby system, put it together with the kids who are coming out of schools um, and, and, and who are based abroad and, and make an elite program. Um, when I say elite program, we're, we're not talking of anything more than 30 people, you know. Those ones are the ones who are, well, not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone is elite. Not everyone is made to go elite, you know. 
And the biggest thing is that we don't have enough resources to to spread across. You know, we don't have enough resources to go across. So um, we need to just pick the ones we know, you know because uh, remember, you and I, we, we know who's going to be there and who's not going to be there, or the high possibilities of which people are going to make it. The same way right now with so many players in um, um, New Zealand who play super rugby, we all know that not all of them are going to make All Blacks. You can pick the All Black squad, you know, from, and, and you're not even in the New Zealand system. So it's the same for Zim. We know those few individuals. Let's pull them to the side, invest in them, and, 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 and get results. We are not going to get results by spending million dollars on a program with 400 players. Um, you know, it's 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 not going to cut it. I know I know there's a strong feeling um, out there that club rugby is the base for for national teams, but let's analyze it a, a, a step further. In these countries, we claim that their club rugby is forming a base for their national teams. You know, what we have is community rugby. It's not elite rugby. So in New Zealand, the community rugby never contributes the All Blacks, right? Yet, it's the the few elite. You know, obviously, other countries have got better budgets, so they've got their four Super Rugby teams. And even in that four, not everyone contributes to the All Blacks, you know. And we are talking about having eight teams to contribute to the national team. It's it's not going to happen. It's it's not going to. You you you'd you'd want it to happen in a in a perfect world where it's all equal, but but it's not. Okay. Um, you need to be specific. And a country like Zim, where other countries with four teams, we need to have one. One elite team, so one meaning maybe third, up to thirty players, and, and and even that can can be debated as being too much, um, and and start finding those five kids who are in school now who are going to contribute to the system because they you, you look at every system there's always those kids who come straight out of school and are the best playing the position in the country, but sometimes we get caught up in that uh, experience experience this but what type of experience are we looking at you know they can be bad experience as much as experiences there they can be bad experiences and good experiences you know and and sometimes you find that there are some people who've been around for too long and have got onto bad habits and bad culture um, and, and will be a bad influence because of the experience you know so you know, so so in, in saying that, if you're on a rugby field and you've got a young player who's come out of high school, he's playing up next to another flanker who, they're both flankers, he's playing alongside another flanker who is slow to get up from a ruck, you know, walking on the field, missing tackles. What is that youngster going to learn? You know, it's going to be bad habits. But you put him next to a, a player with good work ethic and, and, and the likes, the good culture is going to rub off rob on so um we need to be more critical of what we say and 
and not be lazy in our thinking and our analysis uh, is, is probably where I'm going to with, with this discussion. All right, most definitely we've got a lot to, to learn, a lot to actually think about as we develop our rugby. But Nyasha, thank you so much uh, for your time and being, of course, the first um, of the many rugby podcasts we're going to be doing on the rugby chat. I truly appreciate your, your thoughts as well as your time. Yeah. Thank you, Rimbo. Yeah, hopefully see you again so, sometime soon. Most definitely soon. So, of course... All right. Thanks for... Thanks, Mike. All right. So that's it for Rugby Chat today as we come to the end of it. And, of course, we look forward to giving you more content on rugby. Uh, just, of course, uh, share your comments, share your thoughts, and, of course, we'll try and pick up on those in more rugby discussions that we'll be having as well as rugby profiles. But until next time, bye-bye.